0: Today we come to our third bite of our Markan sandwich. And so a good question is to ask why does Mark from time to time interrupt one story midstream with another and then go back to the original story? Well he does this for two reasons. One is to create dramatic tension and the second reason is to tell us to emphasise something about Jesus. And so in chapter 3 Mark starts by telling us about a family intervention where Jesus' family think he's out of his mind. And then he stops that story with the family traveling down from Nazareth to, to Capernaum and then starts another story about Jesus being accused that he's in league with Satan. And after that story, he picks it up again with the family. A classic Mark and sandwich. And so here in Mark we have two accusations. And the two accusations are Jesus is crazy and that Jesus is in league with Satan. Now we looked at the filling of the sandwich a while ago, that Jesus was in league with Satan. And then last week we looked at Jesus' family and the relationships that he had and the implications for us. But last week we didn't directly address whether Jesus was out of his mind or not. And that's what we're going to do today. Is Jesus crazy? Verse 20. Then Jesus entered a house and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this they went to take charge of him for they said he is out of his mind. And Now this accusation still is relevant today for many through the ages and today have dismissed Jesus as crazy. That is well meaning. That he's done a lot of good but in the final analysis he's a little bit crazy He's borderline deranged, tending towards the insane. I mean, who else can claim to be God? So is Jesus crazy? Is he mad like Jim Jones and the Jonestown Massacre? Or like David Koresh in the Horror of Waco? Well, there are two answers to this. Two answers. And the first is, is Jesus crazy? Of course he's not. And the second answer, is Jesus crazy? Of course he is. Now before you think I'm getting myself muddled up and a bit out of my mind, just bear with me and we'll go through both of these answers. Is Jesus crazy? Of course he's not. And it all comes down to definition. If we define crazy as clinically insane, deranged or mad, then Jesus is certainly not crazy. And we can see this in a number of ways and we'll look at two. We'll look at our history, And experience, our experience, tells us that Jesus is not out of his mind. So history, how does history tell us this? Well, simply put, there has never been a crazy person who has had a positive, long-lasting effect on history as Jesus. It's not even close. Now, you might think of Hitler or Pol Pot, who, you can argue, are both crazy and had a significant effect impact on history. But it wasn't positive, was it? At all. They'll always be remembered for being mad, destructive, horrible, evil, diabolical. And the other criteria where history vindicates Jesus is its long-lasting impact. Will other crazy leaders have the same lasting impact? I mean, in 2,000 years, will anyone be still talking about Hitler or Pol Pot in the same way that we're talking about Jesus today? I don't think so. So history tells us that no madman has ever had such a long-lasting and positive influence on human history. So Jesus can't be insane, because when you stack Jesus up with the, with the crazy people in history, there is no comparison. Jesus is far ahead when it comes to long-lasting and positive impact. And as an aside, not even a sane person anywhere at any time has had the lasting positive impact that Jesus has. So history, not church history, but the history of humanity is a powerful witness to the uniqueness of Jesus Christ as well as his sanity. And so, history tells us that Jesus is not out of his mind, that he's not crazy. Second of all, our experience tells us that Jesus is not crazy when we line up the Jesus we meet in the Gospels with our experience of the clinically insane are they similar for instance if you were to ask an insane person claiming to be God to write down their thoughts on a page or two and then you compare that to the sermon on the mount would they be similar or different or if you sat down and talked with someone who claimed to be God And then you went to the Gospels, to the red letters, you know the red letter text, if your Bible like that, like mine, where Jesus' words are in red, nice and easy to get to his his speech. If you were to sit down for half an hour now, talk to someone who claimed to be God today, and then you compared it to the text, would it be the same or would it be different? Well, I've had an opportunity to put this to the test. Let me tell you, of a rather interesting encounter I had with someone who claimed to be God lowercase g. During my ministry training I had 18 months as a volunteer chaplain in the mental health community. And most of that time I was in an inner city drop-in centre in Dunedin, just a few doors down from St Matt's if you know that part of Dunedin. And into this drop-in centre called 420, uh, anyone can drop in for a free hot drink, a simple lunch, community and support. And one day I was chatting to a new person, a new visitor, who made the claim straight at the beginning of the conversation that he was God. He was no lesser deity, mind you, but he had a deep, sincere, absolute conviction that he was the Almighty. And so we talked. Well, actually, he monologued. (laughs) It was hard to get a word in. And you could tell that many people had tried to talk him out of his divinity. You know, he was kind of giving these half justifications amongst his ramblings. But I tell you, after half an hour, I was exhausted because his, there was no logic to his thoughts. Some of his sentences were incoherent, but just trying to follow his logic, I was drained. Now, you compare this to Jesus. If you go to the red letter text in the Bible and you read that, there is no comparison between someone who claims to be God today and Jesus, who claimed to be God. Now, Jesus' words are coherent and complimentary and a joy to read. Sometimes they're puzzling, and sometimes you scratch your head and say, what are you saying, Jesus? But they are not the ravings of someone mentally deranged. Now, as an aside, just to finish the story about God, lowercase g, (coughs) when I did manage to get a word in edgewise, I said to him, it must be lonely being God. And he paused, and his body language changed for a little bit. For those people who have serious mental health issues, they struggle to maintain any relationships, let alone healthy relationships. So for just for a moment, he was a little less God before the rambling started again. And I had to talk to the manager at the drop-in centre and got hold of his community contact, and the next time he came into the drop-in centre, he was much less God. Just a little omnipotence around the edges. <laughs> but anyway, my point is, if you've had the slightest involvement with the clinically insane, with anyone who claims to be God, and then you compare that with what you see in the Gospels, then you know from your experience that Jesus is not out of his mind. Not in the slightest. I mean, I could give more examples from history and from our experience, but we can be 100% assured that Jesus is not out of his mind. Is Jesus crazy? Of course he's not. But then there's the second part of my answer. Is Jesus crazy? Of course he is. Now what do I mean by this? Well it all comes down to definition. In the English language crazy has a range of meanings and it can mean insane but it can also be someone who breaks convention. So let me give you a local New Zealand example of what I mean. You, you will have heard of this Kiwi icon. And many of us labelled him as crazy when he first appeared on the scene. And some of us do consider him crazy and his name is A.J. Hackett. Of course he's crazy. Put your hands up if you think A.J. Hackett is crazy. Or maybe when you first heard of him you thought he was crazy. He came on the scene for most of us in 1986 when he illegally jumped off the Auckland Harbour Bridge. You see the orange dot up there in the bungee and the nice friendly wave from the police boat when he got picked up. If you didn't hear about him in 1986, you might have heard about him in 1987 when he illegally jumped off the Eiffel Tower and got himself arrested for just a very short period of time. The French police didn't know what to do with him. He's crazy. He's crazy because he jumps off a bridge with only a whole bunch of rubber bands, industrial strength rubber bands tied around his ankle. But he's crazy because he broke convention. So much so that I overcame my fears last year. I drove to the Cowaral Bridge and I pushed my youngest son off the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I thought I might feel a bit guilty, but I didn't. <laughs> and I wouldn't do it because I'm sane. And my son loved it and said, Can I do it again? <laughs> you pay next time, son. <laughs> Crazy or insane? Breaking convention. Before we move on, just a shout out to the Vanuatu folk. Where was Bungee Jump invented? <laughs> hey? Vanuatu, claim to fame. There's a nice video showing AJ Hackett going over there and, and taking notes and talking to the locals about how to do it when he was researching it. So, my point is, if we ask, is A.J. Hackett crazy and insane? Of course the answer is no. If we ask, is A.J. Hackett crazy, he breaks conventions, then the answer is yes. And it's the same logic with Jesus. Is he crazy and insane? Of course he's not. Is he crazy, breaks conventions? Yes, all the time. As an aside, how many here have bungee jumped? Well done. Some of us think you're crazy. But maybe that makes you a bit more like Jesus, I don't know. Amazing, isn't it? And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, how does Jesus break convention? How is he crazy? And three things just popped into mind, very, very straightforward. Now, just three things that Jesus breaking convention. Is he crazy? Consider Judas. Why would Jesus let Judas be among him and his followers when he knew he would be betrayed? I mean, we're introduced to Judas for the first time in Mark, and in, in actually the, in verse 19, you know, the passage that you're reading starts at verse 20. So if we were to jump back a verse, then it reads Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Now, we don't know exactly when Jesus knew that Judas was the betrayer. It may have been right at the beginning when he chose him. It might have been closer to the Last Supper. But we know that at the Last Supper, before it started, that Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him. Why didn't he kick him out? Why didn't he stop him? It was crazy. Breaking convention. And the other thought that came to mind was at Jesus' trial, when he stood there and was accused of all sorts of things, yet remained silent, Mark. 14. Then the high priest stood up before them And asked Jesus Are you not going to answer What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you But Jesus remained silent And gave no answer That was crazy He could have easily defended himself against The, uh, the witnesses did not even agree Didn't they One witness was saying one thing one, This witness was saying another He could have easily defended himself But he didn't That's crazy breaking convention and the last example is at the cross Mark 15 we read those who passed by hurled insults at him shaking their heads saying so you are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days come down from the cross and save yourself in the same way the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves he saved others they said but he can't save himself now we know from Matthew, uh, from Matthew 26, that there were twelve legions of angels waiting to come and rescue Jesus instantly. A legion is anything from three to five thousand soldiers, so we're looking at forty to sixty thousand angels. And why didn't Jesus just flick his fingers and call them down to rescue him? It's crazy, isn't it? we could go on listing all the ways that Jesus broke convention. And I think 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 27 sums this all up so wonderfully. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Is Jesus crazy? Well, he is because he works like this. He breaks conventions. And the conventions he breaks are our conventions. They're not his conventions. They're just what we expect. And so Jesus loves to choose the foolish things, the crazy, the non-conventional, the weak. Why? To show his glory. He loves to shame the wise, the worldly and the strong while bringing the foolish things, that's you and I, into a personal and saving relationship with him. And that's why we can say, hand on heart, is Jesus crazy? Of course he's not. But of course he is. And so we come to the end of our sandwich. We've taken three bites over three Sundays. But we've done it in a very unusual way. We've done it like a toddler eats a sandwich. Have you seen a toddler eat a sandwich? Pulls open the bread to see what's in it. Oh, that's nice. Eats the filling and then eats the bread. My kids used to do that now and again and we've done that too we've taken the sandwich separately we've considered the filling and, and each slice of bread so just to finish off let's just tie this together I mean what's, what's Mark trying to emphasise here about Jesus with these two accusations you know Jesus is in league with the devil and Jesus is out of his mind and as we see Jesus uh, rebut those accusations what are we going to learn about who he is And I'm going to leave it up to C.S. Lewis to answer that question. C.S. Lewis, the author of the children's Narnia books and the author of a a large number of theological books like Mere Christianity. And in Mere Christianity, he pulls these two ideas together to answer a common question or criticism even of the church. And so C.S. Lewis pulls these two ideas to answer the question of those people who say... Jesus was just a good teacher. He was a good man. He said some wise things, but I just don't buy in to his miracles. And you can hear this outside the church and sometimes you can hear this from people inside the church. Jesus was a good man. He's a good example. But no, I don't buy into all those miracles, those resurrection stories. So this is what C.S. Lewis says in response. And I quote, I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. They say, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would, be, would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who claimed to be a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up as a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord. But let us not come with any patronising nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He did not leave that open to us. He did not intend to. is a wonderful summary of those two accusations? Jesus, you're crazy. Jesus, you're in league with the devil. No, he's not. Over the last few weeks, we've shown very clearly that he's neither. And because of that, he must be the son of God. We'll finish with that quote again. It's so good, isn't it? Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. I, for one, choose to fall at his feet and call him my Lord and my God. Let's pray.